humans have been enjoying wine for 8,000 years or more, and there's never been entry exams, literacy tests, diplomas, or membership fees. You can go as far or deep as you want, or just take it all in and find your happy place. That being said, we like to spend our week looking for things that we can share with you in this space and time. We'll give you food for thought, ideas for adventures, and most weeks, tips, pointers, and insights that you can use the minute the program ends. Wine has always united us. It still does. And we've never needed that more. So climb aboard. There is no time like the present to get your adventure started. So here's your host, the doctor of deliciousness, the chairman of the Bordeaux, the top gun of wine fun, David Wilson. You know, every year, or maybe more like every two years, I go through this process where I find myself really looking very closely at my life and also at this program. And I find myself asking the question, am I really on track? Or have I drifted far afield? Or am I slightly off track? And do I need to make an adjustment? And I have to think back to 16 years ago when I started this show, and sometimes I forget why it was that I created Grape Encounters. And just to kind of take you back to that time, I was a guy, I was making a lot of money, I have to admit. I had one heck of a wine cellar. I collected lots and lots of wines. I had great wines. And the wines that I had in my wine cellar weren't necessarily wines that people were writing glowing reviews about. They were just wines that I found and I loved and I bought and I stocked up in mass. And people would come over and it didn't really matter, it seemed, what bottle I opened up. People loved what I had in my cellar. The thing was, the people that I would invite over who were really wine aficionados, I hate that word, they would want to engage in conversations that went a lot deeper than what I cared to have a conversation about. Because for me, there were two flavors of wine, yummy and yuck. And by the way, I have to give credit to Tim Haney, the great master sommelier. He was the one who first laid that line on me. And I thought it was brilliant because it really does come down to it, doesn't it? You either love it or you don't love it or you kind of like it. But wine sometimes needs to be exceptional for certain situations. And sometimes it can be just really simple for a tailgate party. But anyway, this week I had five or six experiences that seem to constantly caused me to focus on what I was doing and whether I was doing it right. And I'll try to explain it to you. The first one was something that happened last weekend. I had a group of young Italian women over. It just happened they all knew each other. They were all friends. Most of them didn't speak much or any English. But somehow we had gotten onto the topic using translators and other crude methods uh, the topic of making authentic Mexican food, which is something that is impossible to find in the part of Italy that I live in. It's just impossible. You cannot go to a store and buy tortillas. You cannot go to a store and buy salsa. If you want to make authentic Mexican food, I guess you could put pasta sauce on pita. Well, actually, I'm not sure that you can get pita where I live, but you can get something called piadina, which is kind of a cross between a pita and 
and a tortilla, but it's about four times as thick as a tortilla. So really, it's not adequate for making Mexican food. Anyway, the point is, we decided we were going to make Mexican food. I went on a journey to try to find the ingredients. I completely failed, so I just decided we're going to do everything from scratch. And in the process of making that food, it occurred to me that things can be very complicated or things can be very simple. And depending upon the circumstances, you may be happy with one or the other. As it turns out, we were making corn tortillas and flour tortillas. The flour tortillas, we were using a wine bottle to roll them out. The corn tortillas, we were pressing them between two pots to flatten them out. And these very crude methods worked. And when all was said and done, they were really delicious. But, you know, the salsa, my goodness, it must have had 15 ingredients in it. And boy, did I have to scrounge to get peppers that worked, chilies that worked, seasoning that worked. But when all was said and done, we had a really delicious salsa. Then we made a carne asada. We also made shrimp burritos, which were fabulous. But everything, the guacamole, everything was made from scratch. And even though there were like eight of us in the kitchen working together, we started at about four o'clock in the afternoon. We didn't have dinner on the table until about 10 o'clock. If it had been in the U.S., I would have just bought salsa, tortillas, ready-made, you know, sauteed some meat really quickly, thrown it all together, and it would have been delicious with a little cheese and sour cream on it. Voila, you're done. The second thing was a conversation that I had with a writer. She's a very accomplished writer, writes for everything from People magazine to Forbes magazine. And we were having just an, you know, sort of off the record conversation that had nothing to do with the professional reason that we were having a conversation. And, uh, you know, kind of talking about her life in San Diego and my life in Italy. And after I learned a bit about her, I said, you know, I'll bet you I could tell you your favorite wines or at least wines I think you should drink. And she said, okay, go ahead. And I told her, and I said, Syrah and Zinfandel. And she's like, wow, how did you know that? And then I said, you know, I'm going to go one step further. I can tell you your favorite foods. She says, okay. She says, take your best shot. I said, Thai food and Indian food. Now, she was flabbergasted, but there was no magic in what I did. It's just that I listened to her. I listened to her talk about her lifestyle and the things that excite her, you know, her passion for coffee. But when it came down to identifying her very favorite things, I was spot on. And I'll explain why that was easy in just a second. The third thing was yesterday I read this article featuring the chief editor of one of the most high-profile, prestigious newspapers in the world. I won't say which one because I don't want to get sued because it was an absolutely atrocious interview. It was supposed to be an in-depth recap of the midterm elections. It was anything but in-depth. It was really, really an inadequate conversation. Conversation. And if I was her, I would have been embarrassed about it. All right, we'll come back to that too. The next was a conversation that I had this week about grilled meat in Italy. This part of Italy that I live in, they do this thing called a mixed grill. It is always exactly the same. It's some beef, it's some lamb. Well, actually it's mutton. Usually it's some sausages and usually it'll be turkey or chicken. It's all grilled with the same seasoning. It doesn't matter what restaurant 
restaurant you go to, the mixed grill is always exactly the same. It is incredibly boring and shocking to me that this is so popular in the best eating country in the world. Italy has such great food. And, you know, the next time I go out for mixed grill with somebody, I'm bringing some barbecue sauce, which I'm going to buy online on Amazon.com and I'm going to spiff it up because I frankly don't like the mixed grill. And when I told the person who took me along for lunch that it wasn't my favorite thing, he was aghast. He was also aghast about the fifth thing on my list, which is Italy's probably simplest ice cream style dessert. It was created for people who didn't have a lot of money and maybe couldn't afford gelato or didn't have access to it. So they created something called semifredo. Oh my gosh, it is the most delicious thing I have ever tasted in my life. And when I told my host that it was the most delicious thing I've ever had, he just like scratched his head and he said, no, David, but there are so many things that are so much better. And I just said, I don't care. This is really fantastic. Anyway, those were the experiences that caused me to think about this show and whether or not we're on track and what it is that I really want you to take away from Grape Encounters Radio. So I'm going to put it all together as we move along, but we got to take a commercial break right at the moment. I'll be back in just a second. I do want to tell you that this week's edition of Grape Encounters Radio is brought to you by my friends at Total Wine and More. Gosh, as you go into the holiday season, you're looking for wine for the Thanksgiving table. You're looking for gifts for the holidays to to give to people. Gosh, there's no better place to shop than Total Wine and More. It's always been my favorite long, long, long before they were a sponsor of this show. It's an absolute fact that one of my most vivid wine memories was the time that I walked into my first Total Wine and More store. It was in Rancho Cucamonga, California. It was like 8,000 different wines. I think it was about 6,000 different beers, thousands of different spirits. I went in there thinking that I was going to spend an hour in the store. I ended up being in there for the whole evening. I think I closed the place down. It was like heaven. It was the best wine experience I had ever had up to that point in time. I'll never forget it. And I will always always be Total Wine and More's biggest fan. We'll be back with more Grape Encounters right after this. David will be back with more Grape Encounters right after they touch up his hair and makeup. Oh wait, this is this is radio. Well, there's still paparazzi after the show to deal with. No. One of the top three reasons I love coming home to the U.S. for the holidays is that I get to lose myself in the mind-blowing selection of wines at Total Wine & More. Total Wine & More is the only place I'm aware of where you can check out thousands upon thousands of the world's best wines side by side, all for a fraction of what you might have to pay elsewhere. Plus, every time I visit Total Wine & More, I discover a new favorite. On my last visit, it was an astonishing Cabernet from Chile, priced about two-thirds less than you'd normally pay for a cab this amazing. I'm definitely buying more on my next visit, plus a case or two of great bottles to wow family and friends at holiday parties. And I know I'll be able to find awesome gifts for nearly everyone on my list. That really pays to ask one of their expert guides for help. This holiday, you'll love what you find only at Total Wine & More. Curbside pickup and delivery where available. Drink responsibly. Be 21. 
The only thing that Mendocino County winemaker Greg Graziano can't tell you about wine is how many different choices he makes. It's somewhere between dozens and cowabunga. Artisans like Greg don't count, they create. Did Da Vinci or Michelangelo take inventory? Let's just say that Italians like Greg can easily get carried away, especially when it comes to food and wine. Great wine is in Greg's DNA. His immigrant grandparents started making Mendocino wines in the early 20s, and despite being the head honcho of the much-beloved Graziano family of wines, Greg is just a humble, lovable guy. When you play in the dirt all day, you can't help but be down to earth. Ask your wine cellar for Graziano Wines, or just visit GrazianoFamilyOfWines.com. They've got five different brands. Why? Well, because Italians tend to have big families. Life is just more fun with a Graziano at your table. Welcome back to Grape Encounters. Did you know there are more compounds in wine than in blood? Maybe vampires ought to rethink their drink. You know, one of my all-time favorite movies is a movie from just decades ago. I don't know how many decades at this point, but the movie is Close Encounters of the Third Kind, starring Richard Dreyfuss. And, you know, aliens come to Earth toward the end of the film. But for most of the film, Richard Dreyfuss is perplexed because he is constantly looking at things and toying around with things. At one point, actually, he's playing with mashed potatoes and he sculpts this shape that wouldn't mean anything to us, the viewing audience, and didn't really mean anything to him except that he knew that it was important and he kept saying, this means something. And he kept having that experience, whether it was holding shaving cream in his hand or sculpting mashed potatoes. But anyway, that's exactly how I have felt all week. That it seems like every experience that I've had, even though they, in most cases, would seem insignificant to most people, people, they really, really got me to thinking to the point that I found myself laying in bed unable to sleep because I kept thinking, well, what does this really mean? You know, why am I thinking about something that I would normally just completely dismiss? And I listed for you five different things that underscore what it is that I'm talking about right now. But the first one was really a great experience, actually. I had over a group of people. They were mostly young Italian women. I know that's sounds suspicious, doesn't it? But no, it wasn't. They're all friends with one another, and they've kind of befriended me. In fact, some of them call me Uncle David. And it's fun to be around them. But what's particularly interesting about my relationship with this group of people is the fact that they don't speak any English, or what English they do speak is very, very minute. So communicating can be a real challenge. But you know, food and wine, these are things that I think we can understand, we can sit at the same table, eat the same food, drink the same wine, and share experiences that are absolutely beautiful, even if we can't talk about it, even if we can't sit there and dissect the wine, dissect the food, and explain to one another what it is that we think that we're tasting. We can enjoy that moment without going into that mental exercise that seems to be a mandatory part 
of wine enjoyment and really the reason why I started this show to begin with. Because I owned a wine cellar, I was a wine collector, but not for the reason that a lot of people collect wine. I just collected it because I would find wine that I really loved and I would buy a bunch of it. And I ended up building this wine cellar that was huge and it held at least four or 5,000 bottles of wine. And over the years, I stockpiled just a tremendous amount of wines. And I didn't buy them because they had gotten great reviews in Wine Spectator or Wine Enthusiast. I bought them because somewhere along the way in life, I encountered these wines and I thought that they were delicious. And I said, I want to keep a lot of this around because I want to be able to share this with other people. And so, you know, I could have opened any one of those bottles of wine for the group of people that were at my house making Mexican food with me and they would have really enjoyed the experience whether or not we were able to actually communicate what it was that we were tasting. Now, that's true in large part, I think. But I think our ability to communicate with one another about wine, about food, can sometimes backfire too. Because with wine, there's a group of people, and I think they represent maybe 5 or 10% of the wine-consuming population, that are so obsessed with dissecting wine, criticizing wine, putting wine under a microscope, to the point that we could be sitting there enjoying something, but these people wind up being the ultimate buzzkill because they're telling us what all the deficiencies are in the glass that's sitting in front of us and kind of spoiled a lot of the fun. Now, this is kind of where the Mexican food creation experience comes in because I shopped around. I mean, I really did. I spent days looking for ingredients and when all is said and done, I really wasn't able to find a number of things that I really felt were necessary to making great Mexican food. Like for instance, jalapeno peppers, right? So I found other peppers, peppers that are grown in Italy. They're kind of sort of like jalapenos, but some of them were too hot and some of them were kind of too blah. And when I put the salsa together, it was good. Don't get me wrong. It was good, but it was far from as good as the salsas that you can buy in a plastic container at your local market in the U.S. and not nearly as good as the salsas that I could make at home if I had all the right stuff. But be that as it may, the people who were at my house last weekend loved what we made. And even though I said, boy, I made great authentic Mexican food, the real truth is, is that it was kind of disappointing to me. But nobody else knew that I was disappointed. And I knew that if I told them that this was not my best effort and that this was not terrific Mexican food, it would have served no other purpose but to make them less excited about what they were tasting. Now, one of the interesting things about this experience was that here we had these people who couldn't communicate really well with me, so we 
kind of pantomimed things. And I taught them how to make tortillas and they're rolling out these tortillas and then they're throwing them into a pan and we're cooking the tortillas. And then at one point we broke one of the tortillas. So we started sampling it and everybody's going, they were just thrilled with how delicious the tortilla was. So then I put some cheddar cheese on it. Well, you can't even buy cheddar cheese in most places in Italy. It was just by luck that I found some and it was a flavor that they didn't know and they loved it. And so now we're melting cheddar cheese on the tortillas. And here we've got this very simple thing, a tortilla and cheese. And it's one of the best things they've put in their mouth and they're loving it. And then we make these shrimp burritos with sour cream and guacamole and the salsa that I was talking to you about. And every minute of that evening was like pure bliss for my Italian friends who have spent their entire life eating the most delicious food on planet Earth. But here they were having this wonderful experience with basically inadequate Mexican food. And frankly, if I had been able to bring some Taco Bell in, I kind of sort of think that they might have actually, well, they might have liked it even more. And this just has so much to do with what is right and what is wrong with wine and our wine lives these days because it is so easy to kill the buzz and it is so hard for people like me to just sit back and enjoy something that maybe isn't all that great but you know it's better than drinking water it's better than iced tea it's pretty darn satisfying and if you don't pick it apart it's shocking just how wonderful it really is okay hold the thought and we'll continue to find meaning in the little things that happen every day in our life and hopefully it'll help you to have a better wine life did you know that some wines are just as delicious and desirable after a hundred years as they were when they were young hmm should, should I be seeing a winemaker instead of my doctor? Grape Encounters will return right after this. At MM Organics, we're surrounded by health nuts. That's because we're obsessed with lowering blood pressure, cholesterol, and the risk of cancer. We want to make weight loss easier and help you strengthen everything from your heart to your teeth, nails, and hair. Full disclosure. Those health nuts are actually dry-farmed heirloom certified organic raw walnuts. Rich with essential vitamins and nutrients, they're vastly superior to other nuts. Imagine, walnuts can actually lower stress and boost your brain power. No wonder MM Organics customers are so darn smart. MMOrganics.com is where you'll find our uniquely irresistible raw walnuts, walnut butter, oil and flour, sprouted flavored walnuts, and decadent fair trade chocolate covered walnuts, which pair beautifully with our legendary two horse port style wine. MMOrganics.com, eating any other nuts is just plain nuts. This holiday season, find what you love at Total Wine and more. With so many great bottles to choose from, it's easy to find a new favorite Cabernet or Chardonnay or the perfect gifts for everyone on your list with some help from a friendly guide. And all with the confidence of knowing you found something special for the lowest price. Find what you love, love what you find. Only at Total Wine and more. Curbside pickup and delivery available in most areas. Visit TotalWine.com to learn more. Drink responsibly. 
B21. Back with Grape Encounters Radio and the ever-evolving David Wilson. I am your wine captain for the day. And, you know, every year or two, I find myself needing to step back and take a look at our program. And I ask myself the burning question, am I communicating to my audience the things that I really want to communicate to you? And sometimes the answers come from little things that happen in life. And this past week, There have just been a lot of different things that have kind of captured my attention. I feel like the universe has been talking to me, and it seems like everything that strikes a chord with me in some way or another relates back to this program. I had this conversation earlier in the week with a writer that I've been working with on a new project, and I really don't know her, but we had about a two-hour-long conversation the other night on the phone, and it was kind of a getting to know you conversation. And I was sharing with her some of my thoughts about Grape Encounters and, you know, why it is that I do what I do. And one of the things that I found myself griping about, and I often gripe about, is the fact that I just think that we miss the mark so much when it comes to talking about wine, because there are those among us that just want to overcomplicate the whole thing so much more than it needs to be. And it gets very discouraging. I know for a lot of you, because you tell me you feel like you don't even want to get into the conversation because the conversation is just in a realm that doesn't seem relevant to the reason why you drink wine to begin with, which is just to have an enjoyable experience. And then, you know, you you go with some friends on a wine tasting excursion, you go off to wine country, and then everybody's talking jargon. And then pretty soon you become this shrinking violet and you sort of disappear into the wallpaper. I know how that feels. I feel that way now. I know that I can keep up with most wine conversations, but sometimes I just kind of don't want to because I just want to say, God, isn't this delicious? Boy, this is sure a nice experience. And by the way, it is about the experience with me. I don't ever want wine to be the central focus of my life. I want it to be a component of my life that sort of is like the miracle grow fertilizer that you put on your garden that it just makes everything healthier and prettier and nicer. So I'm talking the other night on the phone to a writer. She's a very accomplished writer. I don't know her. I'm just getting to know her. But we ended up having about a two-hour conversation about this, that, and everything about her career and my career. And I was sharing with her the reason why I started Grape Encounters and And some of the lessons that I've learned in doing this for a really long time now, if 16 years is a really long time, but one of the things that has been the most fun about my wine career is the sense that I get from people that tells me just exactly what kind of wines I really and truly believe they're going to enjoy. And by asking just some very basic questions or just by learning about somebody just from casual conversation, I can usually be spot on in terms of recommending a wine for them. You know, you can 
can go into a, a good wine store like Total Wine and More and talk to one of their specialists there. And it's amazing how somebody that really understands wine can ask you a minimal number of questions and they can get right to the core of determining exactly what you will really, really enjoy. So the whole point of telling you this is, as I told you at the beginning of the show, I learned just a handful of things about her lifestyle, just things that she enjoyed, and I was able to spot on tell her exactly what I thought her favorite wines were and exactly what her favorite foods were, and I was dead on, dead on. And that's the whole point, and I'm going to teach you how to do that, how you're going to be able to choose exactly what's right for you just based on the things that you enjoy in life and the things that you eat and the things that you drink, you can really, really improve the quality of your wine life just by understanding yourself better. And the, the one thing that I know for absolute certain is that the lion's share of people who drink wine and enjoy wine probably don't completely understand why they love what they love. They just know that, you know, for instance, let's say that you have had some Syrah. I'm just picking a wine. And you really enjoy that wine. And so now you know that whenever somebody asks you, would you rather have a Cabernet or a Syrah or a Pinot Noir or whatever, you go, oh, I'll have the Syrah. Why? Because you've had Syrah in the past and you like the wine. But do you really know why you like that wine? And why do you like the Syrah better than a Zinfandel? Or why do you like a Zinfandel better than a Merlot? Or a Merlot better than a Chardonnay? Of course, Chardonnay's white and Merlot's red, but the question remains the same. Why is it that certain uh, wines, whether they be white or red, really suit your fancy and then other wines just don't do it for you? Well, the fact of the matter is that there are some core components to every wine that can be decidedly different from wine to wine. And they can be the amount of sugar in a wine. They can be the amount of alcohol. They can be the amount of acid, which are kind of the basic things that people always talk about. People talk about tannins. But sometimes it may seem like you like a wine because there's a certain sweetness to it. And in reality, the wine isn't sweet at all. But what's happening with that wine is that it is showing the fruit in a rather remarkable way. And so even though you, you may taste berries, or you may taste cherries, or maybe you taste peaches, or you know whatever it is that you're tasting, it's not that you're tasting the sweetness of the the fruit, it's that you're tasting the flavor characteristics of the fruit, which is completely different. And if you know this bit of information, then it will help you find your way to wines that are going to be really super pleasing to you. A lot of people, when they hear, for instance, the word acid, they go, oh, acid, that doesn't sound very good. Is that like, you know, stirring some vinegar into my glass of wine? Well, yeah, sometimes it, it may taste that way for certain people. And then and other people, it really just makes the wine so much more pleasurable. And of course, it depends on how that component balances with other components in the wine. I won't probably today be able to get into 
breaking down these components. But I promise you in the next week or two, I'm going to present to you a very simplified explanation of the components of wine that is much more abbreviated than these very, very complex lists of things that wine experts talk about, whether it's, you know, talking about graphite or minerality or, you know, the taste of cassis or, heaven forbid, barnyard flavors in wine. There's a multitude, really, of things that are on the list of really accomplished sommeliers that really and truly are going to serve no purpose in the lives of most wine I was going to say wine people, but people who enjoy wine. And it's as simple as that. But what I'm doing is I'm putting together a really interesting chart, which takes the things that I think are most important that when I say these words to you, they will immediately have a meaning for you that you can wrap your arms around, that you can wrap your tongue around, let's just say, and you'll have an aha moment because you'll be be able to pick and choose from four or five or six columns of characteristics that are very relatable to you. And once you realize that that glass of Syrah that you enjoy so much has this from column A, this from column B, this from column C, and so on, you will be able to piece together a composite of exactly what will make you the happiest when you're enjoying wine. And it's really going to change your life. And so that's something that we're going to, we can't do it in one week. We just can't. But I just want you to be aware of the fact that we can make this a lot easier for you and a lot more fun for you. Just stay with me. And um, over the next few weeks, uh, we're going to have a lot of fun with that. But we only have one segment left to go. And I, I still have a few things on my list of things that happened this week that gave me my aha moment for the week. And we'll return and talk about that in just a sec. We'll be back with more more grape encounters right after this. At every family gathering, my brother Steve and I each bring several bottles of wines and try to one-up each other. I bring wines from all over. Steve only brings wines from California's Mendocino wine country, where he's lived for decades. And even though there are hundreds of great wineries there he can choose from, he mostly brings wines from the Graziano family of wines. Now you'd think you'd see a lot of duplicates from past gatherings since most producers only make 6 to 12 wines, but Graziano has 5 brands that make literally dozens, upwards of 30 mostly Italian varietals, and all rock stars. Made by the real rock star, Greg Graziano. You can hear my recent interview with Greg at GrapeEncounters.com and you can find Graziano wines all over America or buy them online at GrazianoFamilyOfWines.com. I've never confessed how much I love Graziano wines to my brother and uh, let's keep it that way. One of the top three reasons I love coming home to the U.S. for the holidays is that I get to lose myself in the mind-blowing selection of wines at Total Wine & More. Total Wine & More is the only place I'm aware of where you can check out thousands upon thousands of the world's best wines side by side, all for a fraction of what you might have to pay elsewhere. Plus, every time I visit Total Wine & More, I discover a new favorite. On my last visit, it was an astonishing Cabernet from Chile, 
priced about two-thirds less than you'd normally pay for a cab this amazing. And definitely buying more on my next visit, plus a case or two of great bottles to wow family and friends at holiday parties. And I know I'll be able to find awesome gifts for nearly everyone on my list. That really pays to ask one of their expert guides for help. This holiday, you'll love what you find only at Total Wine & More. Curbside pickup and delivery were available. Drink responsibly. Be 21. If you tried a different wine grape varietal every day, it would take more than 27 years for you to get through the list. And while you're busy tasting all those choices, winemakers around the world will be coming up with countless blends to set you back. So, to uncomplicate things, we'll help you sort things out in the wine world and point you to the stuff that we think you'll find essential and unforgettable. Starting right here today on Grape Encounters with David Wilson. So here I was having this casual conversation with my new journalist friend. And, you know, after about a half an hour, I said, you know what? I can tell you exactly what your favorite wines are. And I can also tell you what your favorite foods are. Anyway, I nailed it. Syrah. And then the foods were Thai food and Indian food. And it wasn't that tough. I will tell you another time how I figured it out. But I've got a couple of other points got to cover here. One of which was this in-depth recap of the midterm elections as told by the chief editor of one of the most high-profile, prestigious newspapers in the world. I read this interview with horror because I thought, oh my gosh, how could somebody in such a prestigious, high-powered position with a newspaper be so off the mark? It was not detailed. It was not an analysis. It wasn't even accurate. And I'm thinking to myself, how many millions of people are reading this and are being completely misled? And I'm, I'm not talking about fake news here. I'm talking about not doing your homework and you know, just putting anything down on paper because you got to fill up space. And it's so sad. Well, what does it have to do with wine? I'll tell you what it has to do with wine is I am so sick to death of looking at the back of a wine label and reading some description of the wine that may very well have been written by somebody who just got out of college who's doing an internship at a winery or has their first marketing job and has been entrusted to help promote a product and has described a wine so poorly, so deceptively that millions of dollars are spent by consumers all the time on these wines and they take them home and they're totally disappointed because the wine in the bottle is nothing like the description on the bottle and it's a tragedy and it is equally tragic that the labels often the label designs depict a character of a wine that is nothing like what you're going to drink and I hate it and it really ticks me off and it was this article that I read dealing with the midterm election analysis that just kind of made me want to rant about that one more time. All right, the next thing that hit me this week was a conversation about grilled meat in Italy. Italy of course is one of the most exceptional eating countries. Well, not one of the. It's
it's the most exceptional eating country in the world. I really believe that. But they got this thing that they do in Abruzzo, and I don't know about the rest of Italy. Uh, Abruzzo is the region that I'm in. And you can go to these different restaurants, and especially what they call agritourism restaurants, where the restaurant is on the property of a farm and everything that they serve at the restaurant is grown or raised at the farm. And they do this thing called a mixed grill. And it's just grilled meat. It's going to be mutton or we sell lamb in America. That's what we eat. But here they eat the older sheep. And it's actually really quite good. Beef, it's going to be pork. It's going to be turkey, sometimes chicken, and most of the time sausages. And I don't care. You could blindfold me and you could drop me at any one of these restaurants. It's going to taste exactly the same. The same seasoning, the meat's about the same. I don't even know what the point is because, you know, people will they'll go to one restaurant one day and they'll go to another one the next and they'll order that darn mixed grill and it's just so incredibly boring. And I want to be put off by that. But then I got to thinking about this and I'm thinking, you know, I get up in the morning, I make an espresso every morning. I put cream in my espresso. I like it that way. I put a tiny bit of sugar in there. I like it that way. And I have it that way every single day without fail and it makes me happy. And then sometimes I'll go out for coffee and I'll order the same darn thing, you know. And I think wine is the same way. You know, if you have certain wines that are your standby wines and you just love it and that's what you like to have every night when you come home from work, God bless you. Okay, I'm okay with that. But that being said, you probably are not drinking your favorite wine. You're drinking a wine that satisfied you and you just said, okay, stop right there. And this is the whole point of my conversation today is that once we are able to teach you why you like what you like, you're going to find things that you like equally well or better and your life is going to be better for that. So there you go. The last thing I wanted to mention was I went out the other day and I had lunch with a friend. So I normally don't order dessert after lunch, but I don't know. I just had a, a sweet tooth the other day and I decided that maybe I'd have a little bit of dessert and we asked the server what was available and she described four or five different things and one of them sounded really good to me. It's called semifredo. And I said, oh, that sounds really good. And my friend says, oh, that's really boring. That's like just sort of like a peasant kind of dessert. And he says, you don't really want that. Well, I said, well, I don't know. It sounds good. I'll try it. They brought this dessert out and I went bananas. There were no bananas in it, actually. So they use eggs and they use cream, but then they fold it into sort of semi-whipped cream and then they mix into it things like English toffee and bits of chocolate and they cover it with just raw broken almonds and, and some other things and then they squirt these little sauces around it. Oh my gosh! That was the most delicious thing I've ever tasted. It was just the most delicious dessert I think I've ever had. And the gelato here in Italy is, you know, considered to be the yummiest frozen dessert on the planet. But this semifredo, oh my goodness, it just knocked my socks off. I don't know if you can get it in the U.S., but I could make millions of dollars by bringing this to the United States. But anyway, I was just telling my friend, I go, this is just amazing. And he says, yeah, but there are so many things, David, that are so much better. You know what? I rest my case. There are so many things that other people might think are so much better. But when you find something that hits you the right way, when it satisfies your taste buds 
exactly the way your taste buds want to be satisfied, then you are home. Then you have arrived. And if you can accomplish the same thing with wine, then you're going to have the best wine life imaginable. That will do it for Grape Encounters today. I appreciate you uh, putting up with my revelations and rants, and I look forward to talking to you next week, and we're going to fill in some of the blanks that we opened up to your curiosity. This week's edition of Grape Encounters Radio was brought to you by Total Wine and More. Thank you, thank you, Total Wine and More, for sponsoring Grape Encounters Radio. But more than that, thank you for being the single best source for wine, beer, and spirits on planet Earth. We love you for that. Find what you love and love what you find at TotalWine.com. <laughs>